Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Hello and welcome to Dark, a companion podcast to the Netflix TV series. I'm Acorn. I'm Merkels. And I'm BB. Wollen wir anfangen? Yes! Yes! <laughs> That's particularly potent for today's episode, isn't it? Genau. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> Very much. Before we dive in, we do want to point out this is a companion podcast, also known as a retrospective and not a watch along. So you definitely want to have watched the series and be hungry for more discussion, more theories. We've also chosen to run the podcast as more of a discussion between friends. So each week we go away with a topic that we'll be covering. We write our own notes and then we get together and talk about it. So no one has had any sneak peeks. And we hope that that's going to create a more interesting conversation with surprises. We may not get everything right as a result, but ultimately we want it to feel like you're in our living room discussing right along with us. Today, we're going to be talking about Sick Mundus. Yes. <laughs> Secret society. Before we do that, uh, we've got a question because we haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah. Like an icebreaker. And that is, Murray's. did you want to ask the, the first and I'll hit the follow-up? Oh, oh okay. It was your idea. Yes. Sure. Uh, would you want to be in a secret society? Yes. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> yes. yes. And then if you were, what would your secret society be about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I straight up mm. want to be part of the Masons. I've just been super what, curious. Really? really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. Okay. So I have like a whole funny thing is that Mr. B's family is a, a part and he has the ability to like join. And I've always just been like, why don't you fucking Wait, do that Wait, can you thing? say that? That's so cool. Can you say that? If it's secret? I think so. Because <laughs> it's, it's not secret society. anymore. Yeah. Uh, no, the you definitely you can. just can't talk about what they talk about. Yeah. Listen, listen, because I have to say it's like the most impressive thing ever. So he has refused. And I'm like, but why? Like, you know, they, they look out for each other and they do. And I also just want to like, it would be so cool, man. I don't get, they don't let women in. So it'd be super cool that if you was just did that thing. That one of my thing. questions. Yeah, yeah. They don't let women in. So it would be really cool if you just did that thing. And he went, it's built around a secret and we will have none. And I was like, oh, oh, I, my, I that just... is the hottest thing you've ever said to me. Let's make babies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Let's make babies without the babies. Yeah. Let's... Without the baby. Parks, I, don't, I, I, I don't necessarily want kids, but let's bang. Oh, Jesus. Can we cut that out? Let's perform coitus. <laughs> no, I'm so tired. Sir William. Okay. Oh, no. listen. Just... It was, it was, it was just, it was really romantic. It was really romantic. And sometimes I'm still like stop being so romantic and just go and do the thing and it's so cool and yeah but but he that was this reason why he said no multiple times for that was just like it's built around the idea that you get with a group of people and you have this big secret and you tell no one and he he was just like i don't really want to do that 
we are the secret society. Yeah. Oh my Aww. God. I do love the fact that he is so loyal that if he was in a secret society, he wouldn't tell anyone anything. Yeah, and that's I know. Why he's yeah, just, that's because my yeah. thought is immediately like, just tell her everything. <laughs> yeah. But no, you don't he, have he to keep it a secret. Yeah, yeah. He definitely would keep it a secret. So I mean, he's not in it that we know of. Yeah, he is not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do believe that you are allowed to say that you are, but you're just not allowed to talk about like what goes on and, you know, yeah. all that kind yeah. of stuff. So man cave shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Funny enough, uh, one of the shows I recently binged was The Curse of Oak Island. And in the course of their research, they ran across some information that the Freemasons had. So it came about that one of the people on the team was like, actually, I'm a Freemason. I can uh, ask for you. And they were like, wait, what? So oh, yes, wow. you can talk about it. Apparently they yeah. even had um, a visit to the Freemason, one of the lodges and talked to like one of the higher ups about the research they were looking for. But it's actually incredible because it's a very old organization. So there's tons of records. There's tons of like historical information that they hold and they keep safe. And based on the location of the lodges, it's like they have different almost jurisdictions. Like the one they went to yeah. specifically had the information they were looking for, for the Oak Island curse and historical documents for people who worked there and stuff like that. That's so crazy. Not to make your so cool. <laughs> I know, not to make your desire any stronger, PP, for wanting so to strong, join. Man, you do know, that. There are so, there are a lot of buildings in Toronto, so I'm just kind of like every time I see one, I'm like, honey, just go and <laughs> just go be a fucking time traveler for me. Just go investigate. Just go <laughs> take a look. I want to live vicariously through the knowledge that you know something I don't. <laughs> Just go. You won't. I think I think it's crazy to think about how obviously there are so many secret societies and so many that we very likely do not know about. And I think especially in this day and age where everyone is sort of under the opinion that they know everything that can exist and everything can be found on the yeah. internet and blah, blah, yeah. blah. History, all of history is known to realize that actually that's not the case at all and secret societies probably know stuff about history and whatever that no regular layman yeah. will ever have access yeah. to is like insane and crazy and that's cool so but... intriguing to me yeah it is that you know i don't care about all the other stuff that they say that they can do for you you know which is all just rumor at this point because nobody really knows but except uh, people in the masons but the idea that you might be able to learn something, that knowledge, yeah. that generational documentation, at least from, because from what I understand, and I, and I mean, there's a lot of issues with the, you know, the idea of secret societies and the Freemasons in general. There are some troubling things there, but from what I understand now, they are very adamant about document keeping, knowledge keeping. Mm -hmm. They're like scholars, stores of, of things, which I think is very, very interesting. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, that's pretty much the secret society I would want to be a part of, like something book related, something like yeah. something knowledge related. Like if I was a part of a secret society, I would want to like go to a chapter, have it be like speakeasy style where you have mm. to like have a password or oh. a specific location to meet and yeah. you get together and then you share knowledge like books that were read or information that was discovered or something and then you leave and then you keep all the information close to your your heart and you don't really talk about it with anyone else 
I could not be in a secret society. I'll tell you that right now. Absolutely not. <laughs> Would you and, spill uh, the beans? PB, oh my God. PB knows this so well. Yeah, I can't yeah. lie. I can't keep, like I can keep a secret. All right. I can do it. But if really put under pressure, it's very difficult for me. I, yeah, yeah it just would be, it would be so difficult. Also, I, <laughs> I would just like waltz in there and be like, yeah, cool. Here's my password. Then I go in and be like, you ready for my knowledge? <laughs> TikTok today. <laughs> that would be it. And I don't think secret societies need that in their lives. I don't think I have much to offer, to be honest. <laughs> I think, so are we doing, are we doing realistic secret societies? Or can I don't we? Know. Oh no! Let's let's I, I make one up. Invent one. Yeah. yeah, because I would do a secret society about supernatural shit. Like if oh, ghosts and yes. stuff were real, and like I'm vampires in. existed, I want in on that shit. I, oh, I want, if there's I want a vampires, if there's a vampires yeah. exist secret society, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I I I, I would want to I would want to be in that kind of Anita Blake style realm of yeah. we know that this shit yeah. is real and you know oh, all that kind of stuff yeah. and we go that's hunting cool. and you know nobody knows and that kind of stuff like I, that that's my jam. The I alien love secret that. society is maybe not for me. That would just be terrifying. Yeah, to know that aliens exist. The only issue with that, I love the idea and I would want to be a part of the secret society, but. I'm the kind of person who gets freaked out easily. Like I will go on to glitch in the matrix on Reddit and read a couple things. And every once in a while I'll hit one that I'll read it and just go, I have no plausible explanation for what this person's talking about. Oh God, are we in a simulation? Oh God, are there things in the world? And I'll like get spooked. So I don't I know. I have a plausible explanation for you. It's that they're lying. They're just making stuff up. I do think about that, but the, the way they write it sometimes it sounds not very polished and very much like raw experience. So mm. makes me wonder, but that's what I'm talking about. Like even just thinking, oh, they could be lying. It could be a story, a literal story, a fictional story that they wrote sometimes doesn't do enough. And then I'll start like looking at shadows around my apartment going, oh God, is something watching me? Oh my gosh. Yeah. What intrigues me is the pervasiveness of those ideas. Yes. Like how people across the world, we all will feel that way sometimes. Like there's mm -hmm. something else out there. Collective belief really intrigues me. Yes. Do you want to hear my most tin hatty conspiracy theory? Absolutely. Yes. Ancient aliens ass opinions. Yes. <laughs> so I, uh, I've watched ancient aliens. Okay. Here and there. I'm not really down with it. I mean, it sounds fun and cool. But there's one thing about Ancient Aliens. There's like one episode. I don't remember exactly what season it was or whatever, but they talked about this. And then I did further research into it. And it's still on my mind. And I can't let it go. And it's headbinding. Headbinding is the most interesting thing to me because it occurs in almost every early civilization across the world at different time periods in history with no interaction with each other, but they just for some reason bound their heads to be long and up. Yeah. And the meaning behind it is often the exact same no matter what culture it was. So it's like bringing you closer to the heavenly gods and the bearers of knowledge and wisdom. And I was watching Ancient Aliens and they talked about that and they were showing like images of how the heavenly gods are always featured with these long heads and stuff. And I was like, there's no explanation. Ancient aliens are real. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and I still think about yeah. that. And I'm like, why on? Because it's such a specific thing. Like you would yeah. have a baby and you'd be like, this baby's head needs to be long for no reason to look like the gods. What do the gods look like? Why do the gods have long heads? Yeah. The way that we've always envisioned yeah. aliens looking. What's up with that? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's super the weird. stuff that gets me too. And like, like, um, global fears like very specific uh yep. like folklore stories that you find in multiple different cultures across time like what the fuck okay i have a crazy story and okay tell we, us. we can leave it in we don't have to cut it out <gasps> so when i was much much younger so i was pretty um uh, there's a term for it, but I, th I think it's uh, I think people use it n negatively. So I, I don't know how else to explain it. But I didn't I didn't do drugs and I didn't, um, you know, drink or anything uh, straight growing edge. up straight edge. But I think it's I think that's mean. Right. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I didn't do any of that stuff. But a lot of my friends did. So at, at one point, two of my friends that did not know each other, by the way, were doing so I would be a babysitter off often if my friends were gonna you know try something you know I'd be around to just make sure everyone was okay and at one point one of my friends was trying salvia which is just it's a wild ride apparently and he was sitting on the couch and he described seeing a man a tall slender man with a top hat and a like grid on the floor he's like I you know I'm I was here I was I followed this grid and it almost like Donnie Darko style, like it was coming from him. So he's walking around and then he describes this guy with this top hat. And meanwhile, I'm just like, okay, you're having a, you're having a time. But then like a year later, another friend. So these friends don't know each other. Remember another friend of mine was telling me about the one time that they had had Salvia and what they saw. And it was the same fucking thing. Oh my and God. I have, I just, my stomach dropped and then I went to the internet and started looking up forums on people who, and there were multiple stories of people who had seen the same thing while taking salvia. And now here we have Cerebrum Project. That is, that story is the basis of what you've seen, like in the first three episodes of Cerebrum Project. <gasps> the fact that they took the same thing and had the same, yeah. Because I couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain it. I was just like, oh well, maybe gosh. it's just a common thing. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's some reason for it. You know, maybe it's just that's a common thing people think about. But the, it's the grid on the floor. The colored grid pattern on the floor seems so strange for them all to see. Like, of course, yeah. anybody can see a man in a top hat. But the top hat guy combined with the grid on the floor, that's fucking weird. That sounds like a real place. That reminds me of people who have sleep paralysis experiences often yeah. talk about identical sleep paralysis experiences to yeah. the point where most people have an understanding of like this person or that person that frequently comes to them and yeah, right. i think that's also crazy because it's either like i don't think that aliens show up and you have sleep paralysis but i think there must be something in the brain that creates a similar image of danger yeah that we all would understand like a, now, that yeah. we all get because yeah. a lot of times it's like a tall man Right? Yeah. like or like shadowy yeah. yeah yeah and i think that that's probably your primal instincts kicking in warning you like hey there is this absolutely something that's going to hurt you here in the corner and i think yeah. that's um i i i just learned the other day that uh when you go into a room this is totally kind of random but interesting brain chemistry thing when when you have complex post-traumatic stress disorder when you walk into a new you know when you walk into a new room and you just kind of forget why you were yeah. there yeah 
So it happens more to people with PTSD because your brain is literally like, wipe everything so we know where the danger is. It's preparing oh. you oh, to be wow. prepared for danger. So like, that's what your brain is doing. And I'm like, I, when I, what? I that's thought I was just forgetful, amazing. but that makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah. From a, from a science and, you know, uh, uh, evolutionary perspective, it it's get rid of ever all the stress and everything that's on your mind right now so that we can look around and be aware of the danger. So yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Super cool. Mm -hmm. You know, on the topic of primal fears and like global experiences, that stomach drop moment you just talked about, yeah. PB, I had one. Ooh. This is the best episode so far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember when we started, we were like, no, we're burnt out. We're tired. I don't know if this episode is going to be great. Uh, no, and we're so like, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. When you were kids and you were riding in the car, did you ever imagine that there was something running along the side? Yes. You? Yes, 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 yes. A animal, a bean, a man. And he had it had to follow certain rules, like only yes. ride, walking along fences or jumping from lamppost to lamppost. What yep, the fuck? Absolutely. 1000%. I don't think I can't really remember my childhood that well. So unfortunately, okay. I can't. Uh, I did try to run around half naked in a leotard in my backyard <laughs> trying to be a, an anamorph. But that's about okay. all I remember from my childhood. <laughs> okay. Well, I remember doing this too. And mm -hmm. I thought it was just a weird thing that I came up with. I did it every single time we rode in the car and I came across this post on Reddit. It was a screenshot from a conversation and someone said the same thing. And they said, I was so surprised to find out that other people did a similar thing. And the person replied saying, I wonder what the underlying psychology is, because it's like a really specific thing to do. Almost everyone did it without telling other kids about it. Yeah. So what does that mean? And of course, it comes with a picture that was fucking terrifying. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, mine wasn't terrifying. I no, I, mine was oh, mine was nice. It was a like an animal thing that could like change shapes. And I'll tell it you wasn't exactly. An imaginary I remember friend. mine. Okay, <laughs> I remember mine. My exact ones because I remember like there were a few different ones and it changed. So the first time I started doing it, I imagined a deer. That was the very first one, and then it changed into tiger i think his name is tiger from monster rancher i was like oh i had that one and then i don't know if anyone ever sh saw a show called cyber six but there was this canadian anime show back in the 90s about it was like m m one of my bisexual awakenings and it was like very stylistic and cool anyway there's like a black leopard in that show and so for a while it was also the black leopard from cyber six but i would just cycle through yeah and just imagine it was like my friend who was like with me and would just yep. like follow me in the car and keep me safe and like all that exactly. stuff exactly 100% the same. So it makes me wonder if this is like a part of child psychology, like developmental psychology, that we all just do this at some point in yeah. time as we're growing up. But just the collective experience is so fascinating. So if there was like a secret society that dealt with that stuff in supernatural shit oh, and yeah. vampires, like yeah. I'm in. I'd yeah. be so I'm are we starting in. that now? What are we, what is our, <laughs> what is our secret society called? Everyone listening to this Sick podcast notice. is in. Oh, no, I'm oh. kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. We can't do that. That's I don't know if they I kill want. children. That's... Yeah, we'd have to come yeah. up with our own our own also name. Copyright, but I'm sure probably. Could. Oh, yeah, of course. Bick. We'll, we'll do some no, stop researching. Yeah, so I think that ultimately I would love to be a part of a secret society. I love the idea of um, just like having a knowledge about the world that I don't already understand, having some answers. I think 
I think the appeal of answers of the unknown will always draw me in. Yeah. Could you imagine a Nietzsche guy in a secret society? He would just be walking around being like, um, actually, that's like not how it works. Like I could explain it to you, but um, well, I can't. Uh, but promise me I know more than you. Like that whole vibe. Gross. Our Nietzsche episode is going to be so good. It's going to be so good. And I was just thinking like afterwards, I don't know who's going to win. I'm, I don't know I'm so either. excited. I get to sit back and be like, convince me. And I know I'm like Nietzsche neutral right now. Yeah. Yeah. You get to wait. Okay, so hold on. Acorn is pro Nietzsche. I yeah. am I'm like, yeah, neutral to pro. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay. And She's then PB neutral is neutral. And I'm straight neutral. So you're yeah, straight you neutral. Yeah. True neutral. It's debate can, class, uh, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's full it's debate, debate class. class. I'm getting my cue cards. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put my little tie on. I love it. But I am I am very uh, intrigued by it, especially because he comes up a lot in this show and then a lot in something else I was most recently watching or playing the game that I'm currently playing right now. The lead uh, female detective constantly quotes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Deadly I Premonition, that, right? Yeah. Deadly Number Premonition, two. too. Yeah. So I was very interested in that. So, yeah, I'd love to awesome. be a part of a secret society. Would you want to be a part of Sick Mundus? Oh, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, yes and no. no. Here's a great question. So this is a segue. I'm going to segue yeah. if that's okay. Sorry. Yeah. But this is a great question because I remember like it comes down to the whole idea. I think secret societies and interest in secret societies is somehow similarly related to the question of if we were in a simulation where it was designed that you did not know you were in a simulation, would you want to know that you were in a simulation? And I feel like my yes. answer has changed significantly over yeah. the last 10 years. Yeah. And I am now Cypher and I'm perfectly fine with that. I am yeah. Cypher, give me the steak, you know? But I'm I'm curious, Peeves, if you feel similarly in terms of like that unlocking of real truth, no matter yeah. the cost. I think I'm still stuck. I do think I, I do think I, oh boy, I oscillate a little bit. I think there are moments in my life where I'm definitely cipher, where I'm just like, I th it's I, it's mostly because I struggle with is, and sorry if this is super existential dread here, but sometimes I struggle with, you know, is, is this all, is this it, you know, like, you know, am I simply going through these motions is the whole point to get a job, do your nine to five, go home, binge some TV because you're, you're too burned out to do anything else that you like doing. Or, you know, maybe you're not too burned out, you know, but that's not me. I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't know if it's like depression or, you know, PTSD or what it is, but I don't have the energy to go, go, go all the time. I just can't do that. I could just be an introvert, but I, I can't do it. So for me, if I'm like trying really hard at work and doing a nine to five, I go home and I will binge like four hours of Netflix because I'm just too brain dead to do anything else. And that's my fucking day. That's my routine. And then mm -hmm. I just go through life and I'm like, is there more? There has to be more than this. But then part of me is also like, man, just give me the fucking blue pill. Why can't I just be like, dude, yes, I worked. I have money now. Let me play some fucking video games until my brain melts. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Do, why I do know. I need more? As long as I, I'm content. <sighs> so I struggle with that a lot. I straddle the line with both of those two because there's yeah. there's some horrible reality of the cost of knowledge in understanding that there's a very high chance that once you learn the truth, you will be forever changed and yeah. life will never be the same. You may never be content again, which could bring a whole 
new layer of suffering to life, you know? I personally think if I knew, I would be able to let go. Really? Part of, yeah, because think about this. What if your drive for something more is just an itch because you know there's something wrong? Like if we're in a simulation, yeah, you know, and all the things that all the movies I watch, all the stuff that is just that itch in the back of my mind, because I somewhere I know something's not right. And then they were to be like, yeah, you're right. You're in a simulation. There's no way to get out, though. You know, this is just a simulation. You don't exist. Blah, blah, blah. That'd be so freeing for me personally. (laughs) Like to just know that. I totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. It would just free me. It would let me go. from that perspective. From that perspective, it's like getting the one question answered. So once you have the answer, you can rest. And ultimately, it brings it down to what is the meaning? Because that's essentially what I'm asking. So if this is all a simulation, then I have my answer. You make your own, you know, do I still feel like life can be meaningful or I can find meaning in things even if I don't really have a purpose? Like if, for example you know, we are just a simulation that will be over in three seconds. But for us, it feels like lifetimes. And it's just to see, you know, how if we're a history lesson, we're literally a simulation pulled up so that students in some other alien thing or the future can watch and see and learn or whatever. If that's all it is, then that's, that's okay. Then all I have to focus on is just enjoying every little moment of my life. Yeah. Which is what I should do anyway. And I know that, but it's hard because I still have that itch in the back of my mind. But yeah. is there something more? Yeah, I felt like um, I felt very much. I thought about this a lot when I and I think I've talked about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I really struggled a few years ago with my with like depression and anxiety and mental health. Not that those things are fixed now because they're definitely not. But there was a period of time where my brain was really, really cruel to me and was, you know, a big part of my sort of mental illness at that time was my brain telling me that all the horrible things it was saying was the truth. And finally, I know the truth. And there is like, there is power in knowing the truth. And that's just the way it is. And like, you're not one of the people who just like live their life, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is real and all this other stuff anyway. And I remember I was really suffering with whatever my brain was telling me. And I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, so if it is the truth, then (laughs) like I'm miserable. (laughs) So I don't want to know the truth, actually. Like if that's the truth, then great. It can be the truth. That's fine. But it was like the other thing, too, is that it it was also really tied to sort of an experience of intelligence. Like it was like, oh, you're smart because you know the truth. And the truth is that nothing matters and you're trash or whatever, you know, and it was very much attached to my intelligence level. And I remember thinking to myself at that time, I just made a decision one day where I was like, then I'll be dumb. I'll be dumb and ignorant and I will just, I will be Cypher. I don't care yeah. anymore. I, I know the stake isn't but real. the thing is, sure. is that Cypher isn't dumb. He's incredibly no. intelligent. And one could argue that he is extremely intelligent because he understands himself and his desires in a way other people don't. He's, yeah. Cypher's not dumb. He's tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what it was, is I was just like, I don't, if that's the truth, then fine. I don't care, actually, because it doesn't make my life better. It doesn't make yeah. living more better. It doesn't make living easier or yeah. funner or I, I'm not happier by knowing the truth yeah. and I can't control the truth. So 
I'm just going to decide to live in a version of the world that is easy enough to live in, where I can find some happiness and peace. And if the steak is fake, then fine. But at least I can taste it. And I just made that decision. And like, I've stuck to my guns on that, Um, even though like my brain still does that stuff where it tells me like it goes through the, the cycle on it. And I remember having a conversation with uh, with a teacher, actually, where we were talking about philosophy. And he was like, you know, there's the question when I was like 21, I think there's the question of if you found out it was a simulation, would you leave? And and I remember answering immediately full of passion. Of course, I would leave. I need to know the truth. It doesn't matter if anything is fake. I need to know it's fake because it doesn't have meaning. And the truth is what matters, even if it's miserable. And I was just like. Now I look back on that and I, I actually feel so much happier and like proud of myself for getting out of that mode, yeah. I guess, because I feel wiser. It's like, yeah, you know, I also think, uh, oh, that's such a good question, because I feel like my answer changes. Would you want to know if you're in a simulation, if it meant you were forced to wake up, but you didn't know what was on the other side? Yeah. So you're leaving this world for the unknown. <laughs> that's so tough. That's a very tough question. Like, you know that this world is not real. You know it's a simulation. And so your choice is either to stay. You get ejected, Matrix style. Yeah. I don't know, man. My answer now now is very different than it was when I was 20. And I'm so curious to see how that answer changes in the next 10 years. Because I wonder if my my need for currently stability and like, a sense of Mm -hmm. steadiness because Mm -hmm. I'm tired and exhausted and life is just like we live in a very different world today than we did when I was 21. And I feel like it's okay to admit that I would prefer to just chill (laughs) wherever I am. I think, I think I have, you know, I had that a little bit too. I remember being when I was very young, I was anti-consumerism, fuck Christmas, you know, all this shit, you know, because it's, you have to know the truth and corporations are, just trying to get, you know, your money and they're evil. And I was just very passionate about all of these things and like being aware of how I was being manipulated and how the media is being manipulated. But my God, it's tiresome. I know that it's, I know it's that way, but I still want to put up my tree because the lights make me happy. And so there's like, you know, I'm with you there. There are a couple of things that I had to really make a decision to do that did help me out of a very rough state in my life. I did feel like I was sad all the time when I was thinking about all, you know, the state of the world and how it is. And it's, I think it's interesting to think like you can have both, which sounds counterintuitive, but you can be aware of the truth and still do things or act on things with that knowledge and still find happiness from them. You know, having that, that truth bomb hit you doesn't mean that you can't then take joy in those in other small things. You just need to figure out what parts of it are important to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it is doom scrolling, they call it, on Twitter serving you. No. No. Or <laughs> or is it? I mean, I'm open to being wrong on that, you know. I'm yeah. maybe it serves some people, I don't know. But is whatever serving you? Is doing the Christmas tree thing and the gift exchange serving you. Do you like gift giving? Does it make you happy to do that? Like genuinely happy to do that? Go for it. Does it stress you out? Do you have to sit there and go, okay, I have to buy for this person, this person, this person, this person? Are you breaking the bank every year? Figure something else out. Don't do that part. You know, find out what is serving you and you can still learn the truth about stuff and use that knowledge to just make an educated decision 
And that was like a light bulb for me. But I did have the same situation where I knew people were going to look at me and think I was dumb because I was happy or I was like cheerful or I was getting excited about little things. And then of course you get the people who are like, yeah, but don't you know this? And don't you know that? And like, (laughs) you know, this comes from there. And like these many trees are dying for this thing. And I'm like, well, I have an artificial tree, which of course I don't say, but I did look up that it's most of the time worse to have an artificial (laughs) tree than to do a real tree. I know that, but I also just can't be arsed to go out and cut down a tree and do that every year. So whatever, because plastic and all that stuff for the artificial tree. But it's just like, I didn't know that when I bought it originally. I found it out later and then I was like, well, I fucked that one up, but you can't win all the time. You know, especially if you're, if you're trying to do the right thing, if you know, whatever your activism is or, you know, whatever you care about, you won't get it right all the time. You're not going to be perfect. And, you know, realizing that you can only do the very best right now with the knowledge that you have right now. You know, that's that, good enough. God, that reminds me so much of Magnus and Francisca for some reason. I was just thinking that like when Merck <laughs> said, you know, I, I'm tired and blah, blah, blah. And I just want the steak, but I want to be able to taste it. Dude, yeah. I think I think we hit the nail on the head there that that's probably what it was like for them. They know the truth. Yeah. Yep. They know what's coming. They know time travel exists. They know that they're actively fighting to make the world end and that that is the answer. Yeah, is that's to end the goal. their world. Dude, did we just talk about a simulation theory when really that's kind of the structure is, of paradise and sickness? And, and it's also technically the structure of the worlds in dark. And yes, I wonder if that's why wow. there are so many scenes of Francisca and Magnus watching the world end. Glitch in the <gasps> Matrix. Yeah. And a failure in the matrix. Yep. Yeah. Those scenes where they sit there and they're like, then let it end together. Yeah. That's it. That's that mentality of, I don't care if it's a simulation. If it ends, it ends. We're focusing on each other right now. That's it. Holy That's shit. why we know they joined it. That's why they a stayed. A world without Winden. Yeah. Oh my God. A world without the simulation. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> That's so good. Everything we talk about just loops back. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I mean, I was thinking like, man, I'm enjoying this conversation. I'm like thinking about the stuff we'll be covering in about Sigmundus next. But like, that is such a beautiful, Mm -hmm. neat lead in. And you're right. Thematically, that is so on point. And they even do that. They even do the globe. They even do the standard visual aid for a simulation. That's so flipping cool. Oh, my God. Electricity inside it. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do the timeline? Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, yeah. let's mm-hmm. let's start at the beginning and we'll work our way through and kind of talk the about... The beginning is the end. Sorry, I had yes. to do it. Fire <laughs> me. Okay. Yeah. So just to recap a little bit about the timeline and something that we found when we were doing research, uh, we've talked briefly about this before we began. There's only so much information about Sigmundus. So we're going to kind of loosely go through the timeline and chat about different topics as they come up. I have a couple cool little nuggets to think about, a question to ask, but Sigmundus all began in the show in 1813 or some somewhere around 1813 when Heinrich Tannhaus lost his wife, Charlotte. He was so stricken with grief by this that he established Sigmundus, a secret society that sought to overcome the laws of time and space and create a paradise on Earth. He passed. Oh, God. Yes, Murgles. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This is an interruption, but I'm having a wrong moment. And maybe this was evident to you guys, but it's just evident to me right now. Okay. 
Sigmundus wants to end the world, right? Sigmundus is created by old, old Tanhouse to save his wife or to like bring her back from the dead. Just a quick correction. I don't think Sigmundus wants to end the world. They want paradise and they want, um, I think Adam's secret desire is to stop this simulation, stop this loop from happening. But I don't think everybody else knows that. So anyway, continue. Okay. Okay. I'll have a note about that. Yep. So, and I'm so sorry because this is not part of the like establishing the timeline at all, but it just (laughs) hit me. I was like, why is, you know, Sigmundus is in the Tanhouse family. Why is HG Tanhouse not in Sigmundus? And then I was like, wow, the entire show is about him. He created the thing to bring his kids back and he succeeded in that. And the end of the show is that he succeeded in that, meaning Sigmundus succeeded and J- Jonas succeeded at this. That. <laughs> yes. Was that, yes. Was that clear Jonas to you? Succeed. Yo- Jonas finally wins. Yeah. He, the, the world ends. It's not the way he, I think, anticipated that it would right. end, but he wanted it to stop. He's Cypher. He's tired. No, but I mean, like, it was created to bring back Charlotte, right? To yeah. bring Sigmundus, back his wife. Yeah. And H.T. Thanos is not in Sigmundus. And the result of everything that the show happens in is that his kids do come back. He is yeah. able to do yeah. the thing. And yeah. so that line is there. And Sigmundus accomplished what the... Wh- wow. Was, yeah. Uh, Secret society they, power. They Sigmundus actually succeeded they in accom- doing the thing succeeded. that they set out to do. Yeah. Do now, in the here's, first place. <laughs> here's, here's another mind-blowing thing. H.T. Tanhouse is... In the origin world, H.G. Tanhouse's ancestors were Heinrich, Leopold, and Gustav. Mm-hmm. They should exist in the origin world too, which means Sigmundus is probably Sigmundus. a real secret society. The difference being that Jonas and the time-traveling friends of his never went back to 1888 and helped build the time machine. So Sigmundus probably ended with Gustav, the last Tanhouse. In 88. In 88. Yep. Yep. So that's cool to think about. Yep. It gave, to me, it gave new meaning to seeing the scene when Bartosh takes Alt Martha underneath the cathedral and he showed her the secret society room and all the chairs lined up and like the main desk with basically like a gavel and papers and different things. It's like everything was old and dusty, but you could see how it once was a secret society that was filled with people who set out to do this thing together. And to think that that was actually potentially the case in the origin world too. Oh my gosh. That's in that's on the topic of paradise actually. So yeah, I think Adam's Adam's version of paradise is bringing an end to the world to break out of it, to free everyone Initially, Gustav described paradise as being the ability to use time travel to right every wrong and to create a paradise of the world because you're able to go and change things and make a paradise on Earth. So I think that's where it started. And then Adam took it to that kind of next level where it's like, actually, let's just kill everybody and end this. I think he took it to the next level because that's the only way he could see it ending. I think he truly believed the only way to set everyone free was to destroy it yeah because he tried everything else okay yeah sorry back to the timeline <laughs> anyway yeah i'm so, so sorry no it's good it's good gustav is the tan house that Jonas and everyone else met and yes. his father 
is uh, Heinrich, and he's the one who initially started this secret society. He passed on a couple things to Gustav, his son, his Triketra ring, his Sigmundus cane, both of which we see in the scenes that we see Gustav in, and also two things of his wife's, her love of the play Ariadne and an engraved pocket watch that was engraved with for Charlotte on the inside cover. We're going to talk about Charlotte and the pocket watch in a future episode, but just want to make a note that that's what Gustav inherits. And when Gustav meets Jonas, Magnus, Franziska, and Bartosz in 1888, just after they traveled from 2020, Gustav was at that time working on the early stages of a time travel experiment. And he learned from Jonas that time travel does exist in the future. And Jonas had actually seen the completed version of this machine in the future. So he puts Jonas to work on his time travel machine and Jonas eventually gets it to work with the help of Alt Martha, who brings him fuel from the future. Whole thing there, a little bit of deception. Again, we'll go over that when we get to Marta's episode. But this is when the Sigmundus God particle is born. The copy or the second version of the God particle in the show, the first of which being created naturally from the apocalypse in the Winden power plant. So this Basically brings us up to speed to the 1920s, which is where we start the show. That's where they're building the cave, the passageways to the two time periods. They're building Sigmundus. They have members that are helping them. Um, I do believe that we're not going to be able to identify the other people in the pictures. I tried. Yeah. I, I was yeah, going I I to bomb that. I'm so curious, though. If I ever got a chance to interview the creators, I would just be like, do you know who those people are? I don't want to know. Who yeah. they are, but do you know? Because if they, I assume they had an intent or they knew who everyone was in that story. Yeah, absolutely. So, actually, here's a picture. Just want to take a note about it. I looked into it too, didn't find any specific answers on who those people are. So, probably just stock characters, kind of henchmen of Adams. What I wanted to point out though is in that link I just posted, which will also be in the show notes, the person on the very far right. Kind of looks like Heinrich yeah, Tenhouse. Yeah, it does. But the timing would be off. So I almost wonder if that's Leopold, H.G. Mm. Tanhouse's father. I'm wondering if, because again, Heinrich started Sigmundus, passed it on to Gustav. Gustav worked with Jonas. And then Gustav had a son, Leopold, who had a son, H.G. Tanhouse. H.G. Tanhouse was not in Sigmundus, but I wonder if Leopold was. I wonder if he got pulled in and worked with Adam and the travelers in the stuff that they had going on in the 1920s. Yeah, that's super interesting. I tell you right now, X5 is important. And boy, does that look like an old ruler. I literally I thought that, dude. <laughs> I thought that and I went, no. And then I'm so glad you said it. It does look like Wooler a lot. I know. And X4 looks a lot like Inez. We, we touched on yeah. this in a previous episode. I wonder, this is where I, I would want to ask the creators, was there an intention in casting certain people in this picture to like be red herrings or to be mm. to create intrigue being like oh is that Inez is that Wooler also just everything that I've learned about the show and how much care they took in the cinematography I can't yeah. help but look at that and go okay Adam's in the middle and who's behind him yeah and look at who look they at have on space. the left and who they have on the right that's right yeah and look uh -huh. at how much space is directly mm -hmm. behind him because it's like everyone is categorized almost tightly to either the right or the left. And then there's like a big block of space and that one guy sitting right in front of it, right in front of the Triketra. He seems yeah. very important somehow. Yeah. yeah. Didn't we just see Wooler on the website in yep. the form of a painting? Yep. 
he was featured prominently by himself, too. Yeah, I wonder. They have to have written a, a background story for Wooler. Makes me wonder if he was somehow tied in, but maybe one day we'll find out. So kind of on the topic of the membership, actually, I do find it interesting. And someone pointed this out on Reddit, too. Um, there's 12 members in Sigmundus. There's 12 people standing behind Adam. Adam is the 13th because he's the leader. So 12 disciples. Yes, exactly. 12 disciples. And we've made this allusion to Adam slash Jonas being a, a Christ figure or a Jesus figure. So I don't think that was on accident. I think that was very intentional. I agree. On the topic of biblical Wait. stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, so then who are the disciples? Like, who is who? Who is who? Yeah. Yeah. Who's Judas? Noah. I, uh, yeah. Noah yeah. betrays. Because Noah tries yeah. to shoot him. I was, yeah. My initial instinct was Marta, but she's not technically in it. Yeah. She's the one who kills him. So. Yeah. Yeah. You'd probably be able to tie the disciples to each person. I am not very up to speed with that. I remember learning that as a kid, so I wouldn't be able to say in this moment. But if you're listening and this is something that you've thought about and you have disciple matches for the different travelers in Sigmundus, let us know. Yeah, we'd love to know. That's That intrigues us a lot. Yeah. Our email is darkcompanionpod at gmail.com. I got Thanks. you. <laughs> One other thing that's biblically based that I wanted to make a note of that we did, I think, touch on on a previous episode is the concept of St. Christopher and how the church is the ceiling, so to speak, of the headquarters of Sigmundus. And just the concept of St. Christopher being the patron saint of travelers and Sigmundus members being called travelers. And there's a whole story from the Bible about how St. Christopher was a man of great size and strength who devoted himself to Jesus by helping travelers cross a dangerous river. And how one day a child asked to ride on Christopher's shoulders, but the infant seemed to grow heavier and heavier with each step he took. So there's also something interesting metaphorically about this passing of the river. There's the whole idea of the river of sticks. There's the whole idea of, you know, between life and death, you have to cross a river river of time. Yeah. It's it's very, very, very cool. And I was actually just about to bring that up, that the church stands on top of or is part of the entrance into what we see as, you know, Adam's, you know, very decorated and decadent layer, which <laughs> is uh, something that took me, I think, my, I don't know why, but I just didn't connect it until I think my second watch or something like that, where I went, oh, yeah, it's like in the church. Right, That's why yeah. they say Noah, the churchman. That's why they're always there at that church. It is yeah, their church. The headquarters and the passage yeah. that they take, the elevator. Yep. Yeah, exactly. In the parable too, the the child that St. Christopher helps across the river identifies himself as Christ and tells St. Christopher that the reason he was so heavy is because St. Christopher had just carried the weight of the world. So recap for you on that. I do think it's also intentional that they were calling the travelers or calling the members of Sigmundus travelers. Wait. Yes. Can we just back up for a second? Yeah. St. <laughs> Christopher says, I was so heavy because I was carrying the weight of the world. Christ tells him that. Christ says that to St. Christopher because St. Christopher's carrying little Jesus. Little Jesus. Does <laughs> Adam I say that? Offensive. I feel like Adam has a line that is very similar to that. About the weight that. of the world? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think he did. Hold on. Hold that rewind sound you just did. <laughs> Beautiful. Perfect. While you look that up, yeah, like what you're saying, PBA, touching on the river and how the symbolism of crossing a river 
and maintaining the timeline to reach one's future or paradise is very much the same. It's making a journey, traversing a distance, carrying the weight of the world to get to the other side or to get to paradise. You're travelers in both senses. That's crazy to me that they basically tell you what the show is about with the St. Christopher medal from the very beginning. Yeah. We just didn't look into it enough. You're carrying the weight of the world. That is literally what they're doing in the show. Two worlds. Well, an origin world, everything. That's so cool. Even the even the time machine having that globe, the idea that it's two worlds, that that poster that we saw where it's the two worlds, one half, yeah. one light. It's so good. It just this kind of it just permeates everything that they've done in this show. It trickles down into everything they put in. And I love it. It really does. Can't find any um I any swear there's something quote. similar. Yeah, we'll so we should look out. into that. Yeah. Yep. That's I am so almost cool. so sure he says something like that. Yeah. Yep. Really, I guess when we go further in the timeline, the only other pertinent things are Noah travels throughout the 50s and 80s and jump in if you you both have anything that you want to share specifically. Um, He jumps around. He visits and goes back and forth between the different timelines and the church headquarters um, as he's doing his work. And in the future, Sigmund shifts over to kind of being based out of the plant as Adam is bringing his plans to their final phase. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work that they did was, I would say in the 20s, the 80s and the 20s, when they were building the time machine, carving out the passageway through the caves. And then the rest of it was just a lot of time travel and making sure that people were in the right positions, doing the right things and ensuring the timeline was preserved. Yeah. So the other thing to note with the time machine here, because I... A lot of people get confused about this, at least on on Reddit and things and differentiating the difference between the two in the Sigmundus headquarters, the, you know, the big black mass that allows them to, you know, it's that portal of time travel. Uh, Once it's stabilized with Tesla coils, it will break the 33 year cycle. So previously they were limited to only traveling 33 years back or 33 years forward. So if you wanted to go If you were in, you know, the far, far future and you wanted to go back to, you know, the 20s, you had to go back twice. You had to time travel two times because you couldn't just go straight there. Once the God particle is created, they were allowed to travel to any day in the past or the future. Yep, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's where Magnus and Francisca come in because they help man the machine and help Adam travel. You'll see them at like the levers and and all of that. But yes, like chronologically too, the chair in the bunker was the first phase of time travel technology, which was then second phase, right? Because he starts building it in the 20s. Jonas oh, okay, starts yes. working on it in the 20s. Oh, yeah. But I think he knows because he knows kids go and that yeah. there's time travel. So he knows that's coming. So I think he's building it. And then I think right. uh, they, and they then do the that bunker, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The bunker was kind of the second phase and they fine tuned the technology so they could then implement it into the final version of the machine later. Yeah. Yeah. Now we had a question the other day that was like, how did they get the machine in Marta's world? How do they have the ability to do this? And I found mm-hmm. the answer during my research. Oh, in 1987, the underground headquarters gets lit on fire. It's been abandoned and the unknown break in steal the blueprints for the time machine and then set the room on fire. We see it in season three, which is oh, that's oh, right. probably yeah. why it's not so yeah. fresh in our minds. Cause we, we all, I think watched season three, maybe only once. Yep. 
So yeah, that that one, that's how they get the technology. Awesome. And that's, that's the end of Sigmundus's line really in the 80s. Yep. So. Yep, exactly. Do we want to touch on Eret Lux? Sure. Now that we've mentioned that? Yeah. Well, I guess the simplest place to start is Eret Lux means let there be light versus Sigmundus Creatus Est, which is thus the world was created. So light and dark again. Oh, actually, that makes so much sense. I just realized. Oh my Let there be God. light. Let there be fucking light. What and the then, hell? Oh my God, because <laughs> in, in Genesis, the world was created out of darkness. There was nothing yeah. and then there was light. That's so fucking good. There are it's also lives. so good because Eret Lux is also much more, it feels much more almost religious in some way because they have the, the portrait of Adam and Eve. Yeah. And whereas I think Sigmundus feels much more hermetic, you know, um, yeah. because it has the Emerald tablet uh, involved mm-hmm. there. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. The, the vibe of the two is very different too. Um, actually, so on that note, jumping back over to Sigmundus real quick, I have to give a shout out to a Reddit user, Jenny the She-Wolf, who posted about the underground portion of the headquarters and was saying, you know, it's interesting how old Tanhouse created Sigmundus and yet the headquarters looks very, very old, much, much older than the 1800s. And they pointed out specific qualities. So there's Greek Doric order columns, which the Romans later copied, Roman alphabet letters across the top where it says Sigmundus aged stone and cracks in the stone. The facade also appears to be inspired by one of Petra's buildings in Jordan, the Ad-Dir, the monastery. And with the shows linked to the Emerald Tablet and Hermeticism and the Hellenistic period, it could be a small nod to the fact that Sigmundus has been around for much longer than we thought. And Tenhouse was initiated or brought into it and kind of a took over the secret society. Yeah, like maybe it existed in some form before Tan House took it and then started redirecting it towards saving someone's life. Yeah. Here's a link, by the way, to specific screenshots. Amazing. That is super cool. So I have a um, just a random note that I wasn't sure. It's just a random thought. When I was doing research, because how we went into this episode was we went in through time. Acorn did the beginning and the end of Sigmundus, and then Mergs and I tackled different time periods. So we were just going through time. And I noticed that the bunker, depending on what time and what world you're in, has different colors. So we've got the blue in the 80s. We've got the yellow. No way. Yes way. Now wait for it. Because Tan House, we also see in blue and yellow. Yeah. And here is the coolest thing that I found that made me stop in my tracks. The merging of blue and yellow. Ooh. Fucking weird, huh? I fucking love that. Also, the yeah. second picture oh, of Tan House, he's wearing a red vest. Yep. Yeah. So good. We'll post these pictures in the show notes yep. along with that link to mm-hmm. the Roman influence of the headquarters. That is really good catch so this whole time we were talking about how the bunker was blue to mean truth but you're right that second picture it is fully cast in yellow that's so Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. and if i'm not mistaken that's alt world but i think it also just might be a different time period yeah yeah that's wild yeah because the wallpaper on this one is the same it's got the hair and the fox and the apple yeah and the hedgehog on it 
you know, if that's alt world. So we we discussed this idea of like red being the threads of uh, fate and blue being truth and all that stuff. Yellow being deception, right? Yeah. I wonder yeah. if those rules are different for Afa's world and which colors mean the different things. Because if this room has the exact same meaning, yeah, Ooh. peeps, go for it. Um, it's your, it's the cipher to bring it all the way back around as if yeah. we fucking scripted this episode, which we didn't. It's the red <laughs> pill versus the blue pill, which they reference in the show. So we know that they are aware of the matrix. They are definitely including it in the show. Yeah. Martha wants to keep swallow the pill. Yes. She wants to keep living That's in right. the matrix. <gasps> Adam wants to wake up. Oh <laughs> my God. What the fuck? They just changed the color so that yeah. it wasn't straight up red pill, blue pill. Yeah, because here, oh okay, let's talk about this because here, let's look at in, in the blue room. Yeah. All of the, the chairs and the tables are red, bright red. Yeah. And the yeah. yellow one, those same chairs and tables are blue. So yeah. those are the blue pill in that room. And then the yeah. red bits. Oh, my God. So I wonder oh if, if you go and you watch the alternate world and you track those colors, which yeah. like find where blue is, because theoretically blue should be in the place where red would be if it were yeah. in the. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. Oh and also God. just the idea that like Adam wants the truth. He wants to wake up yeah. from the simulation. He wants to get out of the time loop. Yeah, that's the truth. Yep. Yeah. And her, yep. she wants the deception. Yep. That's so yep. fucking cool. Holy oh my God. shit. Oh Dudes. my God. <laughs> How do we keep doing this? I don't know. I don't know if we'll have anything Literally to talk had... about this episode. <laughs> Literally had a full conversation before this being like, I don't know if we'll ever have any prong moments again. Oh we've my covered God. it all. We've Bro. covered everything. We've talked about everything so far. So absurd. Holy that is such cow. a fun moment. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a nice catch. And also yeah. what a crazy, what a crazy loop into what we were talking oh, about at the very beginning. Yeah. Speaking of yellow and blue. <gasps> oh, yeah. With the red oh. threads. Y'all, what oh, the hell? Dude. What? What the hell? The Tan House's time machine has red that's, threads, red that's cords. Tan House's bunker, which, so the reason I was pulling this up was to be like, I love that they did the bunker because we see Tan House working on this in a bunker. Yeah. So like that's Probably the, the same the bunker theme. Yeah, exactly. But to see now blue and yellow tied up with red thread, it looks like. That's so cool. That's, that's crazy. Wild. Also, that's just so the, awesome. the analysis, uh, or like not the analysis, but the ever continuing theme of the time travel being underground like the nuclear like the god particle is underground the nuclear yeah. underground the uh the bunker always being underground that's where the time travel sigmundus itself its headquarters also underground i wonder if there's like a i wonder if there's like a plane of existence reference here if there's like a reference to the planes of existence and knowledges oh. that are within there. And then there's like the underground and like, what's above that? And what's, what do all Ooh. of these things mean in this sort of layered planar existence narrative? I hadn't considered that, but that's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, I was originally, when you started talking, I was thinking about the matrix and how they were all the, in the real world, the pods were all underground, mm -hmm. but you're right. Like planes of existence. Cause that's very hermetic. Yes, they, it is. They believe uh, uh, that's a big, <gasps> strong hermetic belief. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. super As interesting. As above, so below. Yep. What Holy gets changed shit, dude, under the Holy ground shit <laughs> affects the world above. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Wow. The world above. 
work in the bunker changes the world above. What the fuck? Wow. Boo. (laughs) Ship it. Fuck. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's it. That's it. What (laughs) the? That's it, man. I don't have anything else except for like one final send off thing, which is just a cool thing I found. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, let's do it. Again, credit goes to a Redditor, um, Rockin' Freak. They caught in the credits this picture. No. Please stop. I love it when people catch things. It makes I know. Me so it's happy. my favorite. <gasps> Sigmundus Creatus Est Productions Limited. Stop. I looked them up. No. They're located in Montreal, Canada. They were registered on the 5th of December, 2019, and there are two directors of the company listed. Not names, but just that there are two directors. So, Baran and Yanta. Holy crap. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this is a secret society. Dark is an <laughs> advertisement for a secret society. Yep. Hermeticism is alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. Ancient aliens. <laughs> that brings it all the way back to the all beginning the of the back. episode. And I love it. I love oh it when God. podcasts do that. That's interesting because I'm I'm going to tell you, I need to stop, but I follow their new show on Instagram. Yes. I've been seeing some things and I think they're up to some shenanigans. I, I can't say if I know there's going to be time travel, but there's certainly different periods in the same shot purposefully done under different lighting conditions. They're oh. up to some shenanigans. They're I can't doing wait. something. Please consider this podcast as our formal request and, you know, audition for your secret society. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah, as you absolutely. can hear, we mm-hmm. are down. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know that stuff I said about not being able to keep a secret? She's I lied. She can I'm totally, lying so hard. She can totally keep See, a secret. See, I, can keep, such a good, I yeah. can keep such a good secret that I yeah. acted so well about yeah. being mm-hmm. unable to do it that mm-hmm. it was impressive. So <laughs> thank you so much. We hope to hear from you. We'll be waiting for your invitations in the mail. Oh, God, that's my Hogwarts letter, man. (laughs) You're invited to a secret society about time travel and the supernatural. That's the the adult version. Yeah, we'll just have to kill a few kids. I mean, they did that at Hogwarts, too. So (laughs) actually. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Oh, God, I love it. Oh, I love it. That's a wrap, right. friends. Yeah, that's a wrap. thank you. That's, yeah. that's all the time we have for today for today's topic. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening and coming along for this ride. We hope you enjoyed the Brong moments. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, for listening. If we missed anything, if you were listening along and you have something you want to share, please jump into the conversation. You can tweet yes. at us at Radio Wenden. You can also write us an email at darkcompanionpod at gmail.com. Please let us know. Let's do some shout outs. Sounds good. Mergs, mm-hmm. you're up. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Mergles. Uh, I am a animator and storyboard artist. You can catch me streaming on Twitch. Listen, lately, I've been, <laughs> not been working on my film. I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing on my Which channel. Which has been lovely. It's been so I'm good, so dude. Glad. I'm you so get glad so you enjoyed into it. it and you're doing all these things. It's just such a joy to have up. I mean, so was your, your work, too. But it's very good to see you so excited about it. So stop stressing about it. It's great. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. I I am taking a break from working on the film. Just, I think my brain really needed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's a, it's a planned, unplanned 
It was a it was an unplanned break. I didn't anticipate taking a break, but it was a I'm listening but to my brain and my body. It. Yeah. yeah. And you're now saying plan. we're on a yeah. we're taking a break from the film and we're gonna, yep. you know, take an emergency vacation. Yeah, yep. exactly. Because also I am working like in my regular time as well. So yeah. it's nice to sort of, you know, not not spread myself too thin in that regard. But anyway, if you want to check me out, I stream on Twitch Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And thank you so much. That's twitch.tv slash Murgles. Oh, yeah. You know, you can find me there. Thank you. <laughs> PB. And I'm PB. You can find me at Twitch and Twitter at Pumpkinberry. You can also find links to everywhere I am and all the projects that I'm doing over at pumpkinberry.tv. And yeah, that it, that's it. I just started working on a, a cool new um, improv show called The Cerebrum Project uh, with some friends. It's very weird and strange uh mk ultra style show so if that interests you uh definitely check it out it is very uh very heavy uh however i will warn you um so you know yeah not officially rated but rated r <laughs> so yeah and that's that and that's where you can find me and thank you and i fucking love doing this podcast yes content warning aside if this really Dude. tickled all the right places and you're like i am into this subject matter go check out the cerebrum project like seriously, seriously. it is so good also guys on the topic, just like talking about table story online in general, it is breaking so many boundaries. Like yeah. it is bringing it to another percent. level. The way that they're producing this is just unreal. Like 3D rendered objects and scenes and webcams layered on top of it. And just the subject matter and the acting is incredible. So please go check it out. Oh, yeah, I'm not you. I'm not exaggerating uh, when I say that I think it and I've talked about this before, but I genuinely think that it is like a revolutionary moment in online streamed content and yep. like online streamed improvisational like the fact you you hear it's improv and you're just so impressed because you can't believe that it could be because it's so well done. It feels scripted. It feels like an actual scripted TV show. But it's just the best crew, the best cast. It's incredible. Please go watch it. Yep. hundred percent. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm Acorn. You can find me online at Acorn Bandit and also all of my links on joysons.com. That's J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com slash pages slash Acorn. Special thanks go to Johnny Caballero for letting us use the beautiful cover art for our podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny Knight. That's J-H-O-N-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T. We're also proudly part of the Geek Generation Network, and you can find more of our awesome podcasts related to cool nerdy things like TV, comics, and movies at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you so much for diving into dark today with us. We'll be back next Thursday with probably a Radio Winded episode. Yep. Radio yep. Winded. Awesome. And after that, we'll be tackling Bartosh and Celia. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Bye.